All right. You may be seated. I'm going to jump right in because I got to I got to talk fast. I'm from the East Coast. So I can do that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I just want to say uh, I-, I love you a lot. It's good to be back. Uh, you wondered last week I wasn't here because I was in Vermont with my two brothers. I have two younger brothers, one middle brother, younger brother. I'm the oldest of three. And uh, we try to meet every year because my middle brother lives in Cape Cod and my other brother lives where I grew up, uh, just north of Philadelphia in the Washington Crossing area of Pennsylvania. Anyway, uh, anyway we, we had a great time. We spent the weekend, a long weekend, last weekend, and uh, one thing I want to mention, my middle brother is a, he's an exercise fanatic, a little bit like I am, and so, uh, but my youngest brother, his major exercise is eating, that's the main, uh, and so, so we were trying to talk him into going bicycle riding, and he goes, I'm not going bicycle riding with you guys, you know, you guys will be way ahead of me, I'm back there, you know, yeah, I said, look. You, you can't sit in the you can't sit in the in the house all day, so let, we got to go do something. And so finally he said, "Okay, I'll go." So we get to the bicycle place to rent the bicycles, and he says this. He says he goes up to the guy that the you know the guy that was uh, in charge there, and he goes, "Do you have any bicycles with motors in them?" <laughs> and the guy goes, "Actually, I do." So anyway, he got this bicycle, <laughs> and it had a little motor like uh, you know down on the the. The, the, you know, the part of the bike that comes from the handlebars down. It had a little motor there. And I want to tell you, it was so funny because my brother and I would be pedaling really fast and all of a sudden he'd go zooming by us and <laughs> waving at us like this, you know. So he had a great time and we all had a great time and uh, it was really fun. But uh, I'm really glad to be back. I'll tell you, I, I want to talk about today about, you know, we've been talking about prayer and yesterday, I know many of you were uh, at, the, at the Castle Rock Day of Prayer, Mike did a great job in organizing that. We had a lot of people there, a lot of pastors, a lot of different churches represented. It was really, really powerful. And uh, so we've been talking about prayer, I know, all the month of August. And then, um, and, and so Mike said, yeah, I want you to talk on prayer. So I'm going to talk. It's really funny. I, was, I had this other message kind of in my mind preparing it. And Wednesday night, in the middle of the night, the Lord woke me and said, this is what I want you to minister on. And so I'm going to kind of minister on another side of prayer that sometimes you don't hear about, and that's unanswered prayer. How do we handle unanswered prayer? Now, I know all of us have had times in our lives where prayers have not been answered, and it's, it's hard. What do you do with it? Uh, I'll tell you, uh, many of you know, I've told you the story of how I died and I had an encounter with Jesus, and actually Jesus raised me back to life. Uh, when I was about four, four and a half. And uh, anyway, it was about a year and a half later. I was about six. We had moved from the house by the river. We'd moved kind of into the hinterland. It was like in the country. There were just no people around. And uh, my parents got me a dog. And uh, it it was a a yellow lab. And his name was Buff. And man, I'll tell you, he was my best friend. My my middle brother had just been born, so he was a little baby. I couldn't play with him. Anyway, so Buff and I would we would just roam the woods together. We, I mean, we were just he was just he was my best friend. He was just so cool. And uh, my parents had sent me they sent me to a vacation Bible school on the bus. And when I got back, I you know I walked up the driveway, and Buff would always run out to see me, and he didn't run out to see me. And I went. Mom, where's Buff? And she said, well, he was hit by a car today, but he's at the vets and hopefully he's going to be okay. And so, man, I'll tell you, I prayed like never before. That day and that night, I just prayed for Buff to, 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 to be alive and 
the next morning she said, well, I'm really sorry he died. And I was devastated. I felt like, God, how could you let me down like that? This was my best friend. I felt, you know, I did a counseling session a couple of years ago because the pain, I guess I'd stuffed it and the pain was incredible from that, that event. Well, later on, several years later, I found out that Buff was killed immediately. But my parents tried to soften the blow. But I'd rather they told me the truth right up front that I wouldn't have spent the night praying and been so disappointed. <laughs> but anyway, but, uh, but, but anyway, that was a hard thing for me, and uh, I didn't realize how hard it was even later in life. Uh, and, you know, a six-year-old trying to process that, it's difficult. Uh, but then uh, I was pastoring in Grand Lake, and my mother was diagnosed with colon cancer. And so I remember uh, I flew back, and she was in the hospital by now. It was pretty bad. And I flew back and spent two weeks with her and just ministering. You know, I'd kind of come into the Word of Faith movement at that time and really believed in healing. And, and uh, you know, anyway, the, the bottom line was uh, I, for two weeks, I ministered healing to her and prayed for her and, and just, you know, and really had a wonderful time with her. Uh, then I had to get back to the church. But about two to three weeks later, she passed away. And I was devastated by that because I thought, I know she's going to be healed. I'm positive she's going to be healed. And she wasn't healed. And so in my own life, there have been times where I've seen amazing healing. I've seen amazing answers to prayer. But I've got to be honest with you, there have been other times where prayer has been unanswered. So we're going to talk about unanswered prayer. And I kind of felt like that baby lots of times, just whining about it uh, when it wasn't answered. But anyway... Uh, what I want to talk about today, though, is, is a subject that, you know, we just, I don't know, it's just not talked about. But here's the deal. Now, we all know two things are true. Number one, God loves us unconditionally and cares for us deeply. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mean, he's, he's a God of love. First John 4 says that. That's number one. Number two, number two and, and this is also important, we know that God's all-powerful. He can do anything. He, I mean, he's God. Amen? So we know he's a powerful God. Let, let me just throw up Jeremiah 3, 3, 33, 3, which is a scripture that says, and it's a scripture we like to quote. It says, call to me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And so we cry upon the Lord. We call upon the Lord and he's, he's a powerful God. Now, here's the deal. We know those two things are true. And also... Uh, however, when we've had unanswered prayer, it doesn't compute with what we know or what we've been told. And here's the third thing, too. Sometimes we'll hear testimonies. And it'll be a testimony of somebody that had answered prayer in an area where we didn't have answered prayer. And that makes it even harder. Those, those testimonies are supposed to uplift. But if it's been an area, for example, today, if, if you had a loved one die of a blood clot, and you just heard of the person who was healed of the blood clot, that's going to be hard. That's going to be depressing rather than elevating and, and uplifting. And so uh, it, it's the areas that we don't talk about. And lots of times as Christians, we just kind of stuff it down and just, you know, kind of be tough and go forward. But, but, but I want to talk about it today. How do we handle these things? And, and uh, you know, uh, before I go any further, though, there were two, there's a lot of people in the Bible that struggled with an unanswered prayer. And, uh, and the first person I want to talk about is David. Now, David, as you know, had the most intimate relationship with the Father God. I mean, as a shepherd, you know, he had these incredible times that prepared him. Then he went through a time of battle and where he was kind of a, a you know, he was thrown away, off to the side and he had to gather some people around him. And anyway, the bottom line is then he became king. 
And so through all these times, there were times where he really went through hard times. And in one of those times, he expresses it. By the way, if you're ever going through hard times, I encourage you to read the Psalms. Because the Psalms are uh, David. He just, in many cases, David or the psalmist really pours their heart out. Now, I'd be afraid to pray a prayer like this because I'm afraid lightning might come down and strike me. But David was very honest. How do you know God wants you to be honest, though? So I want you to see. You can put up Psalm 13, one, verses 1 and 2. And if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn there and circle this because uh, it's a powerful scripture. And it says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me? Forever? <laughs> how long will you hide your face from me? How long must I have, take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Now, that doesn't sound like a prayer of faith, does it? <laughs> but that was a very honest prayer. It was a very honest prayer. And how many know God knows what's going on in your heart? And it's okay to express yourself to him because he's a God that does deeply love us. And he's a mighty God. But sometimes prayers are not answered. And, and sometimes the prayers aren't answered in the time frame or the way we want them, but sometimes they're just not answered. And, you know, we pray. Like I prayed for my mom and, and, and she wasn't healed, even though I'd seen people healed of cancer. And so it was difficult. Let me talk about another person, the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul was Saul of Tarsus, and he has this incredible, he has this incredible encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And after that, he goes through some amazing struggles. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, it talks about several times he was given 39 lashes by the Jews, 40 kills you. Uh, he was stoned to death, raised from the dead. Uh, he didn't have enough food. <coughs> Excuse me, he didn't have enough food. Can I have that water, honey? Uh, he didn't have enough food uh, to eat. He didn't have enough clothing to keep warm. I mean, there were times where his best friends left him and forsaked him, thank you, and he did not have, he just went through tremendous struggles. And in fact, uh, he went through a time where he cried out to God and he cried out to him from his heart three times for God to take care of the situation and God didn't do it. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. You can turn there. I'm going to put the scripture up on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. It says so, and this is, this is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, called the thorn in the flesh. And, uh, and then he defines what that was. He says, the thorn in the flesh, which was a messenger of Satan to harass me. Now, the word messenger in the Greek is the word angelos. And so this was a fallen angel that was given specifically by Satan to, to come against Paul because of the threat that he was. And so Paul says this, and I'm sure you can imagine the struggle he was going through. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And notice he doesn't fix the situation, but he says, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you to handle this. And my power is going to be made you're going to really experience my power in your weakness. How many of you know sometimes in our weakness, when we can't get it done, how many of you know that's when God shows himself strong? And so here's a time of unanswered prayer. And then Paul goes on, fine, he writes in the, next, in the next verse, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. Why? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How many of you know when you're struggling, 
How many of you know you need God more than just your own ability and power? You can't get it done in yourself, right? And so we cry out to him, for, and, and we need him so much in those times. And so this is one of those times. And uh, so I, I just want you to know that you're not alone if you've had unanswered prayer. Uh, you have David and, and a man after God's own heart and the Apostle Paul. And, uh, and you know, <clears throat> I've known some close friends. My best friend in seminary, um, he's a pastor. He's been a pastor in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And... Uh, really close friend. And I remember a few years back, uh, he found his 23-year-old son down in the basement on their couch with a needle hanging from his arm. He had overdosed. I want to tell you, they had, he had come out of rehab. He was doing really well. They had prayed for him. They had really spent a lot of time in prayer and he passed away. This was a really, really hard time. In fact, book, uh, Bill wrote a book, uh, a book about this, uh, about the struggle. And it really was a really I mean, he almost left the ministry. A lot of struggles happened there. Uh, he and his wife, though, pulled through it. God saw him through it. But it was a tremendously painful thing. And uh, then we have another close friends who uh, were in this church for quite a while, and then they moved to another state. And uh, we got word, uh, this is about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, we got word uh, that their son had committed suicide. And it was in, he had committed suicide in, in uh, right here, 21-year-old son. And uh, they flew out. We, we met them at DIA. They fell into our arms. We cried with them. And uh, very, very painful time. In fact, uh, they would, if they were here, they'd tell you they're still struggling. You know, it, it's still a struggle. And uh, their prayers were unanswered. They did everything for this boy. They prayed over him. They're their only child. And they prayed over him. They did everything. They tried to help him. He struggled with depression. They helped him in every way they could. And, and so this was a devastating thing. I want you to know, folks, there are devastating things that happen, and there's pain oftentimes and a residue of pain uh, when, when prayers are not answered. And, and so we're going to look into this in a little more depth. But one of the things I want to say, too, is I have met and talked with, whether it's been on an airplane, whether it's been just in other places, I have met with people who at one time were believers and had left the faith. And the primary reason when I talked to him was because of unanswered prayer. One case, uh, he had prayed for uh, his wife, and, and she actually passed away. And uh, he was so angry with God and felt like, what is, you know, I, I'm not going to serve a God like that. I also spent some time with an atheist. And I, I wanted to boil down. I wanted to understand his way of thinking. And he said at one time, he had, you know, as a child, he had, he had been a Christian and so forth. And but he said the thing he could not reconcile it was, and I think this is true with a lot of atheists, he could not reconcile the fact that Christians talk about God being all-loving and all-powerful, but look at all the suffering in this world. Look at the babies that are dying in Africa and India and around the world. Uh, look at the horrible things that happened. Look at Houston and, and the horrible thing that happened just recently there. And, you know, people lost their lives. People lost everything they had. And, and so w when we look at these things, they go, I don't see how a God who's all-loving and all-powerful, uh, who allows his suffering, he must, he's not the kind of God I want to I serve. Now, let me tell you where a disconnect happens here. Uh, bad theology mixed with bad circumstances will paint a bad image, a false image of God. And that's exactly what happens. You know, I think one of the problems is the misunderstanding of the sovereignty of God. And I think because of that, it's created a picture and put God in a bad light. Let me explain. I believe God's sovereign. 
He's the head of the food chain. He's the creator. I mean, he is sovereign. However, there's a misunderstanding because in the Garden of Eden, he allowed free will to occur. He allowed Adam and Eve to choose. At that time, the fall occurred and Satan was able to gain access and this world became a fallen world. Now, this is not the world that will inhabit forever. Those of us that are believers will spend eternity with him. And however, here's the thing I want you to understand. You know, <laughs> the fact is that, yes, we'll spend eternity with him, and, but if you look at the Garden of Eden, you'll see everything was perfect in, the, in heaven. Everything will be perfect. You know, there'll be no need for healing in heaven. Amen? There'll be no struggles with depression or anxiety or, or loss or anything. Everything's going to be great. Everything's great in the Garden of Eden. Everything's great there. But guess what? We live in between. We don't live in heaven. <laughs> We're passing through this earth. It's a fallen place, and therefore, bad things happen to good people. And there are times. Now, let me just say this. If you do something stupid, you sow to the flesh, what are you going to reap? You're going to reap to the flesh, right? If you do something stupid, there's going to be consequences. That's not God's punishment. That's just the law of sowing and reaping. If I sow to the Spirit, I'm going to reap good things. So, so let's make that clear. That's not God bringing, bringing punishment on you. Jesus took that punishment and that wrath upon himself when he hung on the cross. So it's important to understand that. However, here's the misunderstanding. People say, well, God's sovereign. And so when the prayer isn't answered, then God doesn't care about you. Or when things go badly, God doesn't care about you. That is not true. That's not true. God does care about you. He loves you. But sometimes it took Daniel 21 days for the, for the prayer to get through because the enemy had tried to block it. He had to send Michael, the archangel, to get that prayer through. So what I want to say is that sometimes unanswered prayer can cause us great pain, but we misunderstand. And you know, it's interesting that God gets blamed for the bad things that happen on this earth. There's already been prophets that have said God's judgment is on Houston. You know, and it's so sad because the people are going through all that they're going through, it is not God's judgment. They, if you live below the floodplain, guess what can happen? You know, I mean, look what happened in New Orleans. I mean, so it's, it's not God's judgment on Houston. God loves the people of Houston. There's a lot of Christians there, a lot of wonderful churches there, a lot of wonderful people there. God's not bringing his judgment on Houston. It's sad that when these tragedies happen, these people that misunderstand the nature of God will speak out. And so it feeds the atheist's view. It feeds wrong views of God. And uh, so very important to understand that, you know, it's interesting that out of the Reformation came so many great things, but one of the things that came out of it was this understanding, a misunderstanding of God's sovereignty called predestination. Predestination, actually, because they wanted to distance themselves from the Catholic Church, and because Catholic Church was based more on works, they went to the other side where they took grace and took it to the full extreme where they said, God is a God who is so much in control that some people he predestines to heaven, and some he predestines to hell. That is the false understanding of the sovereignty of God. Taken to the extreme. What does that mean? That, well, they're saying that some people are predestined to go to hell and some are predestined to go to heaven. Now think about that. Is that scriptural? Absolutely not. There's a whole lot of scriptures that stand against that. Second Peter chapter 3, 9 says, For God is long-suffering and desires that none should perish. Well, what kind of a God would it be? It had to be a schizophrenic God to say, well, I'm sorry, you're going to hell and you're going to heaven, but I'm long-suffering and don't, I desire that none should perish. Well, sorry, you're perishing. 
In other words, do you see the misunderstanding of this? And that's why even in insurance policies, it'll say acts of God. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it, it's amazing how God gets blamed for things that not his fault. And so this is really important to understand this. So when we begin to understand this, it really helps us to deal with those times when we are, we're dealing with unanswered prayer. Now, uh, one of the things that I, I feel like is important that I mention here um, is there's, I, I'm going to talk about four, four areas that I believe um, are important in handling unanswered prayer. And I can tell you, you know, there's many of you too that probably suffer from from the residue of unanswered prayer, maybe earlier in your life and maybe even recently. But this is going to help you, and it's going to help you. Uh, if you haven't had unanswered, unanswered prayer, you probably will down the road, so it'll help you down the road. Anyway, first of all, number one, number one, settle in your heart that God's a good God. It's really important to get it settled. Say this with me. My God, My God. is a good God. My God loves me unconditionally, and he cares deeply for me. Now, you have to get that established because when things come against you, you're going to get upset with God and you're not going to be able to stay, you know, to walk close to him. You're going to see a barrier come between you and he. And so very, very important in, the, in, this, in this that you understand. Now, I want to take David's, remember, back, go back to Psalm 13, if you, if you still have your hand in your Bible there. Psalm 13, you notice the first part, he cries out, God, how long will you forget me? Forever? I mean, he's just so frustrated. But just a few verses later, at the end of that chapter, in verses 5 and 6, he says this. <clears throat> he says this. He says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Notice he says, I've trusted in your steadfast love. In other words, even though my prayers are not answered, even though I'm really frustrated, God, I trust in your unconditional love. And you have dealt bountifully with me. In other words, <clears throat> David, one of the reasons he was called a man after God's own heart, he was established because he knew the true nature of God. So even when things were frustrating and he wasn't getting answered prayer, he still hung on and believed in God. Amen? And so that's number one. Let, let me give you another scripture that'll help you. It's, it's also a Psalm of David, 86, three through five, <clears throat> in verse 15. He says, be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all day. In other words, this cry of his heart was going up all day. Gladden the soul of your servant. For you, O Lord, I do lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love, to all who call upon you. Then he goes on to say, but you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So even though David went through a whole lot of struggles, he always knew the nature, the true nature of God. He always trusted in God. He was not shaken from his foundation, that firm foundation that we talked about. And so it's important that we get that foundation really firmly says, because we're going to have times when everything isn't going to go smoothly. And it's very normal. As I said, I've had it in my own life. Bill Johnson, who's been here a couple of times and is the pastor, the lead pastor at Bethel Church in Redding, California, uh, a man of tremendous, you know, faith and prayer and seen many healings and everything. His faith was shaken several years ago when, first of all, his personal assistant 
passed away, got cancer. They prayed, was sure that she was going to get healed. She died. They'd seen that form of cancer healed many times. Then, soon right after that, his dad got cancer. Also, his dad had been healed several times. That kind of cancer that his dad had had been healed several times. He'd seen it. He was sure his dad was going to be healed. His dad was not healed. His dad died. And so he was, I mean, it, it, really, it really had an impact on him. But he writes these words. I want you to see these words because out of that struggle, he writes these words, which I think are so incredibly powerful. I refuse to sacrifice the revelation that God is always good on the altar of human reason because of my need to make sense of my seemingly unanswered prayer. I want to read that again because I think, isn't that a powerful statement? And, and Mike brought this up. I think he used this a, a few weeks ago, didn't you, Mike? Yeah, I think so. It's, but, I, but I refuse to sacrifice the revelation that God is always good on the altar of human reason because of my need to make sense of seemingly unanswered prayer. I just got to tell you that so many people try to create this theology and bad theology in, in trying to answer something. Bad theology plus bad circumstances put God in a bad light. And, uh, and so we have to be really careful not to do that and to reject that kind of theology that really is not biblically, not biblically correct. So that's number one. Number two, number two is depend on the Holy Spirit, not just our own prayer power. Sometimes we're praying as hard as we can and we're thinking, man, we're going to get this done. I want you to know the Holy Spirit is there to help you. Listen to this. Listen to this scripture. Romans 8, 26 through 28 says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. How many know those weaknesses are when we can't get it done in our own power, in our own ability, in our own prayers? And, and for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. <clears throat> in other words, it goes deeper than our ability to just pray intellectually. It goes down in, where do groanings happen? They happen down here in your gut. And this is actually, your abdomen is the physical center of your human spirit. And so when you're really praying, the Holy Spirit's really connecting with your human spirit. That's where that prayer is actually occurring. And it goes on to say this. It says, uh, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. So in other words, the key here is to really know that the Holy Spirit wants to, wants to connect with you, wants to, you know, and this scripture, that word there in the Greek, it says, it really says the Holy Spirit takes hold together with us and prays through us. And that's where the power is. You know, when you try to just do it in your own power, the results are not the same as when the Holy Spirit's doing it. I'll give you an example. Uh, this was when we were in the old building, and uh, there was a young couple in our church, had three kids, <coughs> and uh, the wife ended up in, in surgery. Uh, it was either Swedish, I was trying to remember, Swedish or Porter, one of those hospitals up there. But anyway, um, she was in surgery, and her husband called me and said, you got to pray because my wife, her, her pulse is going down, the blood pressure is going down, they're really worried she's going to die. And he was crying over the phone, and, and so I prayed with her over the phone, and then I went into this, this is in our old house, we had a little prayer room in the front. I went there and started praying. The Lord said, uh, this is a, you know, this, the enemy's trying to take her out, the spirit of death. And so, and he said, you need to get up to the hospital right now. And so I left, I jumped in my car, I called a friend. I said, I'm picking you up on the way. You know, uh, so-and-so is, is not doing well in the hospital. So we headed up. 
And we started praying. We were praying in tongues. We were praying. We were groaning in the spirit. We were crying out. I was coming against the spirit of suicide. I mean, just everything we could do. Just, and we're driving, driving, and praying, and praying, and praying, and groaning, and groaning. And anyway, we find, we, I remember when I hit 470, right at 470, all of a sudden, it just lifted. This burden lifted. And I went, Phew. I said to him, I said, she's going to be okay. And, and then I thought, then my mind goes, well, are you sure? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but I really knew, I knew inside, internally, uh, you know, by the spirit, I knew. And sure enough, we get to the hospital. Well, her, her husband comes out, hugs me, and, you know, he's still really upset. And, and, uh, and so just a little while later, the surgeon comes out. He's got his mask around down, and he goes, well, uh, I don't know what it was, 20, 20 or 25 minutes ago, we found the place where she was bleeding. We were able to stop the bleeding. She's going to be fine. And, you know, I mean, it, it, was, it was amazing. Now, usually, it wasn't just our prayers. There were other people praying, but the Holy Spirit came, and I know there was healing, and I know the enemy was trying to kill her, because later on when I talked to her about it, she was literally on the brink of death. And, the, and the, even the doctor said, you know, her, her heartbeat and her blood pressure had dropped to such a low, they just barely kept her alive. And, of course, we know who kept her alive. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, in those times, I want to tell you, uh, couldn't, couldn't have got that done without the Holy Spirit, Amen. I mean, the Holy Spirit was the one that really brought the healing. And so notice, allow the Holy Spirit to partner with you when you pray. Don't try to do it all in your own power because he's a tremendous partner. And so that's number two. Number three is persevere in prayer. You know, be persistent. Don't give up. You know, there are times where <clears throat> something looks like it's, you just got to keep pressing in and pressing in. And, and uh, for time's sake, I'm not going to give an example of this, but uh, there's an example from Scripture where Remember the, the widow that came because she wasn't being treated right, came to the, to the judge, and he didn't, he didn't care about God, and he didn't care about people, but because she bugged him, uh, finally, finally, you know, God, you know, I mean, he, he, he moved and gave her justice. And then at the end of that, this is in uh, Luke 18, uh, Luke 18, 1 through about 8, but verses 7 and 8, or 7 says this, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And uh, <clears throat> is that 7 and 8? That's 7 and 8. Anyway, the, tr the truth is that, oh, go ahead, put that up. I'm sorry, I thought, yeah, we missed 8. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In other words, you know, we're kind of a microwave culture, so we want everything instantaneous. How many of you know there's times where you got to hang in there, you got to keep pressing in, you can't give up? And the last one I want to mention, we're going to receive communion in just a minute. But the last thing I want to mention ties right into communion, but we need others to pray together. There's tremendous power in prayer. Matthew 18, 19 says, when two or more, when two of you agree on earth as a touching, you know, and agree with my father in heaven, it'll be done for you. In other words, there's tremendous power in the prayer of agreement when we pray together. I got to tell you the highlight, uh, that was great with my brother going by on his bike with a little motor on it and kind of waving at us. That was a highlight. But the greatest highlight was we spent about two to three hours in, in prayer together, sharing the struggles we were going through individually, and then praying for each other. And it was a powerful, powerful time. And I want to tell you, those prayer times, when you get with other people and you pray with them, God moves. Uh, we have a home group. We have a, a, you know, a, another group that we vacationed with, and we pray with them, our prayer shield. I mean, there's different people, and we have seen God answer so powerfully when we get together and pray with each other. So as Mike said earlier, don't do it alone. Barna just came out with research, and he said 82% of Americans pray alone and pray silently. 82%. That's a vast majority. Do not be. 
Uh, be in the, do not be in the silent minor, majority. Be in the silent, I mean, the, the verbal minority. In other words, don't be afraid to pray out loud and make sure you pray with other people. Don't try to handle it all. Even the Lone Ranger had Tano, amen? And uh, so, uh, so don't do it alone. So that's the main thing I want to say to you. Uh, and and uh, I want to pray for you right now. And then we're going to move into communion. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for each person here. And Lord, I pray for those of you that are here this morning. We had several in the last service. If you're here this morning, you say, man, you know, I don't know whether, oh, I got to, I just remembered the joke I told in the nine o'clock service. So my son's saying, don't do it. You know what? I'm a guest, uh, guest lecturer today. I'm not the lead pastor anymore. So I got to tell you this joke. <laughs> it's okay. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, it's going to be quick because I don't want any of you to end up where this guy ended up. Anyway, this guy was a scoundrel. Uh, he just led a horrible life. He wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And he goes, I don't care if I go to hell. It's fine. I, I'll look forward to it. Well, anyway, he dies. And he ends up in this place. And there's all these people standing around. You know, some of them got shovels. And, you know, and it's coffee break time, I guess. And they're drinking coffee and, and eating donuts. And it's, it's kind of a gross one. But anyway, uh, he notices, though, there's about two to three feet of poop uh, down below. So he goes, well, this isn't so bad. The donuts and the coffee... All of a sudden, the boss comes out and says, okay, break's over, everybody. Back on your heads. Okay, you got it. Okay, you got it. So I don't want anybody to end up there. So here, here's the deal. I want to pray. So go ahead and bow your heads now, now, that, now that you've lost all, all the solemnness. Anyway, but this is very important. This is not a joke. You see, there's one day you will stand before God and Jesus is the one that allows you to spend eternity in heaven. You've never made that decision. I want to encourage you today. This is the time to do it. Don't wait till the last minute. It may be too late. You see, Jesus gave his life for you, that you would be forgiven of all your sin. You'd spend eternity with him. You might say, Pastor, I did that at one time, but I've kind of strayed away. Well, you know what? He's just waiting for you to come back. So if you're in any one of those categories, whether you've never given your life, and today you say, man... I want to give my life to Jesus because I want to spend eternity with him and I, I, I need him in my life or I need him back in my life because I've kind of moved away. He hadn't moved away, but I've moved away. If you're in either one of those categories, just by an upraised hand, I'm not going to have you stand or come forward. I don't want to pray for you right where you are. Just kind of, God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Other hands, kind of wave at me. God bless both of you back there. God bless you. Love you. God bless you. Other hands, anybody else? Thank you, I see that hand right in the middle. God bless you. I'll tell you, put your hands down. I want everybody to pray this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I desperately need you. Please forgive me. I've messed up so many times. Thank you that Jesus, you died for me. And you forgive me. Come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. I'm yours, Jesus. You're my Lord and Savior. And everybody said, amen. All right, give Jesus a hand, would you? By the way, Jeff, if you'll stand up. By the way, if you've given your life to Jesus, especially for the first time, or if you come back, make sure you see this guy with the star uh, on his... Uh, he went from a Patriot fan to a Cowboy fan. Anyway, uh, so anyway, uh, I want to pray one other thing too. I want you to just uh, put your hands out to the side. I want you to say this thing. Say, Lord Jesus, 
no matter how many prayers are unanswered, no matter what I struggle with, I know you're a good God. I trust you. I will press into you no matter what. And I give you the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right.